afternoon. Father, we thank you this morning for our opportunity uh, to, in essence, open up the Bible and uh, to see what it has to, to tell us and to instruct us uh, when it comes to Scripture. And we know uh, that Scripture is the foundation upon which we stand. It is the means that you've given uh, for us to know who you are and for us to know uh, about salvation itself and how we should live our lives. And there is much uh, about uh, the Word of God that, that we need to know, and, and the depth is very great, uh, we know, but at the same time we are able to understand that which we need. And so I pray that as we spend time in this and as we continue forward with the rest of the truths, the doctrines uh, that we'll be going through, uh, Lord, that you will minister to us, that as we seek understanding, uh, Lord, with a heart that is open before you, uh, that you will uh, provide that, that you'll instruct us, that you'll grow us closer to you, that you'll change our hearts more and more so that we're in line with your heart and we desire the same things that you desire more and more. Uh, and so we do uh, pray collectively as your church. Uh, for your help this morning, and we thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Um, so we are the, the very first chapter, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, in the confession is uh, is that on on Scripture, and we talked a little bit about it before that there are reasons for that. That Scripture comes first, and that some when uh, the confessions were being put together in the 16th and uh, 17th centuries that uh, some would put uh, God uh, and the Trinity, uh, who God is, put that first. Others would put Scripture first. Uh, I, I think there are very good reasons for putting Scripture first, and I, I, I really think that that's very helpful to us. Uh, something that, that you may not think about often, because we just kind of get used to this, uh, but it is that that the way God has ordained things, that Christianity is a revealed religion. Uh, it's a religion of revelation. You'll see a blank there. Uh, by the way, we, we're just doing one uh, note sheet now, and we've got some illustrations and things on the right-hand side uh, that, that help with uh, deeper understanding of things, and, uh, and the same... Uh, are, are being used as coloring pages for some of those who are coloring. So if you'd like a copy of those, feel free to grab a copy. But um, uh, but again, Christianity is a religion of revelations. And, and what does that mean? As we uh, approach um, the faith, that this is what we, we use, well, it means, number one, that we don't, we don't speculate. <laughs> We don't just kind of, and, and what do you do, I mean, in, uh, in a lot of meeting places, I mean, I, I did this for years, um, I was working back at the Spayor in San Diego, we gather and we gather together and we kind of brainstorm and we come up with a best way to do things and, and, uh, and, and pretty much everything we were doing, we may have been given requirements, but how we did those requirements, that was up to us and, and often coming up with the requirements themselves would be up to us. And so we, we would, not just speculate, but we developed new ideas. And we were always, you know, looking for the, the new thing. That's not 
the faith. <laughs> it's not what God has given us. Uh, he, he, we don't speculate. We don't just come up with new ideas. Uh, we don't just observe and kind of come up with theories. Um, not that, but God has revealed himself. And that's kind of the key as we come to God's Word. So that's what the very first paragraph of, uh, I think it's the longest section of the Confession. It, it just states that, that God has revealed himself. So if you want a simple statement for what it's saying here, um, saying God has revealed himself. Now the question is, how? How has he revealed himself? And there are two basic ways, and this is going to open it up in just a minute. We'll read this, uh, this first uh, paragraph. Um, but how has he revealed himself? Now, some here know the answer to that. You, you already know the answer. I think because he is sovereign. Okay. okay. He's sovereign. He is sovereign over all things. And so, and so he, he is the one who must be the one to reveal himself. But there are two particular ways that we can see that he has revealed himself. Uh, what are they? Creation. Creation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the key word there uh, that I put, it's not actually used in the confession, but we use this term general revelation because God has revealed himself in a, in a general way. It's available to all. And so that's one of the senses in which it's general, right? You, you said, you know, everybody can look around themselves and, and, and see. And we got a picture on there. It's kind of a small picture, but it's supposed to be of, of God's creation. Uh, and as we look around and grow up and experience that creation, right away we develop an understanding of who God is. We, we don't even think about it, uh, but we do develop that understanding of, of who God is. Now, the, the confession is going to address that first, so general revelation. But it's also going to give a few more details uh, about that. What's the other way that we, we can know about God? Okay, the Bible. Yeah, special revelation. So... Uh, right here in, in Scripture, and obviously this is at the heart of what we're talking about in this whole uh, first section. And so if you, if you want, now, but by the way, on, on a couple of these paragraphs, so three in the first section, which has ten paragraphs, uh, but uh, some of them, I'm taking a shot at outlining them for us, uh, or, or you may call it diagramming them. Uh, if this is helpful to you, great, use it. If not... And uh, uh, this is just, I, I'll tell you, this is me doing it. And so I, I may mislead people in the way, in the way that I do it. But uh, you can kind of see this uh, laid out. It's designed to point out certain things and to give us structure. Uh, if you want, before we read it, you can draw a line right above the word therefore. It says, therefore, please the Lord. If you draw a line there, then on the top part, you can write general. Uh, just like Lee said, general revelation. And on the bottom part, you can write special. Now, you could write Bible, but uh, when it comes to special revelation, it breaks it down uh, a little bit further. And so uh, we'll just say special for now, and we'll talk about what part is talking about written in, uh, in God's Word. Um, so uh, first part, general. In other words, what can we know through... Uh, 
that which is available to everyone. Not everybody in the world we know has a copy of this. Not everybody. I think uh, people have done surveys within the U.S. on how many Bibles the average household has. Uh, and, and it's amazing. There are actually quite a few spread throughout, but how many actually pick them up <laughs> and read them? That's going to be a very different number and, and study them. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I think it'd be a it'd be an interesting study to do sometime. Uh, the idea is that Christians are more biblically illiterate now than any time in the history of the church. Absolutely right. And Ligonier, I don't know if you're familiar with Ligonier does a survey uh, once every few years, and and it's amazing, it's stunning that uh, those who who are self-professed evangelical Christians even. Uh, the level of, of understanding and knowledge of God's Word uh, often is minimal and uh, very troubling. Yeah, so thus the value of, of what we're doing here. Um, tell you what, uh, how about somebody, somebody want to read this? Jim, you want to read, read it for us? Can you read that first? So what, what I'm going to do is have you read that first paragraph on, on your sheet. So where it starts off with, although the light of nature... Um, so, have it. Although the light of nature and the work of creation on progress do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as they leave men unexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of His will which is necessary unto salvation? Therefore, it please the Lord. Sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto the church, and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world, to commit the same holy unto writing. Which maketh the Holy Scripture the most to be most necessary, those former ways of God revealing the blood unto his people now being ceased. Okay. So there is a fair amount uh, there. Let's look at that top uh, section first. Uh, those words, although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence. So we do see creation there. Uh, we talked about general revelation, creation. Uh, the light of nature and the works of creation and providence. He, he, uh, the the uh, Westminster Assembly, or the, what we might call the, the divines, I may use that term every now and then, means theologians and pastors. Uh, what they're putting here is all the different ways that are available to all of us to know something about God. Uh, where it says the light of nature, this is used five times, I think it is, within the, the confession. Um, and what it's talking about is that we, we all have been made in, in God's image. Uh, and therefore, having been made in God's image, uh, there are things that we see and we understand. We reflect that image in a certain way. We, we can know things about God. We can think about things about God. We know it's been corrupted. Uh, the fall has has happened, and so it's a corrupt image. But we can know certain things. One, we can know basically. Everybody here knows what's right and what's wrong. Not perfectly, 
but we know what's right and what's wrong. We've got, and so that's that's our conscience, right? And so the light of nature, especially, is talking about our conscience, our ability to. But it's also talking about those other things that we can recognize. We we can see beauty. The animals can't can't really do that. They they don't recognize it in the same way, right? Uh, there are things. It, it's almost like um, you think about uh, right now. We can visibly see a great deal. Every one of us is able to look around and see things. But at the same time, we know that in the in the the spectrum of light, there are things we can't see. Uh, ultraviolet spectrum, uh, you know, radio waves, and all. There's much that we can't see. If it were dark in here, we wouldn't be able to see unless we had night vision goggles. Um, and so, in the same way, we're able to see certain things. People are. Uh, but there are other things that we can't see, uh, that we are, are blind to. And so that's the light of nature are those things that we can see. And then the works of creation and providence. So what can we know? If you look at that, what can we know through creation and providence and the light of nature? Just one is the immense power. Okay, okay, good. And that's one of the items that's listed there. It's Absolutely, the power of God, and in just a minute we'll, we'll read in uh, in Romans chapter one. This is kind of the the go-to passage for uh, for, for general revelation, uh, one of them. But um, yeah, so the power of God. Others, what what else is listed there? I would say, well, since there is creation, there has to be a creator. Okay, good. That He exists. That there is a creator. That there is a God, and that's tremendously important. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, and then uh, it talks about the goodness of God. We are able to know. Now, I, I didn't didn't say that we that people. I'm just talking about people in general that they like uh, or they accept. They receive God. They receive God as a good God. But they are able to see God's benevolence, His provision, uh, that He is uh, that He is good. Um, so these are things that we can know. But it says there, uh, as to leave men unexcusable. Um, let's go to, we've got to go to that passage. So Romans chapter 1, turn there. And uh, the book of, of Romans, Paul writing uh, to, to the Romans, a place where he's never been. And he wants to give the, the full picture of uh, what people are like and our need and how God has met that need in Christ. The full picture. And so if you want a place to turn, Book of Romans goes into great uh, great detail. It's the best full picture we have of the way of salvation. Um, and, and so right at the beginning, what's he going to start with? He's going to start what? With, with need. What, you know, we've got a problem. We've got a major problem. Uh, now he actually starts with the gospel right at the very beginning, which is, is critical. But then verse 18, you look there, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. He's just talking in a general sense. Is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Men, women, all people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So remember the light of nature. We, we can see certain things. But there are other things we can't see. We suppress the truth. Uh, and then verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. 
It's right before us. And then he explains that. He says, because God has shown it to them. And remember, he's talking to everyone. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, like Lee said, his divine nature that he exists, like Jim said, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And so right there, we can see a great deal. And if you were reading through that, you might say, wow, well, that's, that's true. We can look around and we can see, and, and you might agree with that, or an unbeliever might agree with that. And say, well, there's a lot. Yeah, I, I, I know something about God. Most people would say that. But here's where they get tripped up, is those next words. So they are without excuse. Why? The law of God is written on our hearts. So the light of nature, right? The light of nature, we're able to see certain things. Remember I said we, could, we know what's right and what's wrong. What that means is we know God's law. It's written on our hearts. It's plain. Uh, you know, my, my usual example with a, a child, doesn't matter you know, almost what age, but uh, they always know how to lie. <laughs> and they know that it's wrong too, right? Uh, but they do it anyway. So do we. <laughs> Yeah. Um, my mom, at a big thing, um, when we would be talking, she would say, well, how can a person way in Africa know about God? Yeah. And it's like, mom, because it's all around. I mean, you look, and if he wants to know or she wants to know about God, he's there. Yes, that's I mean, absolutely right. And, and uh, you can go to unreached people groups. And invariably, what's always there is this sense of the spiritual, the sense that they always they, they know there's a God. Now they may create other gods and other because we all do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, I, I, I grew up in Papua New Guinea. I grew up had been on reach. Uh-huh. And they were reached by missionaries, and they said, "We know him. We didn't know his name." Right, right. I mean, they they were aware. That they were aware, but they didn't know. His name. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 exactly right. Now, uh, and I got this a little further down, but we'll read the passage in a moment. But this brings about for the for the for the tribe in Papua New Guinea, or uh, or for for somebody that grows up here in town, this brings out a particular dilemma, a terrible dilemma, right? What's that dilemma? He said, so they are without excuse. So there are two truths here that create a terrific dilemma. Number one, they can know. They know there's a God. They know, that's the without excuse, they know they're responsible. The law is written on the heart. Uh, they know that God is exists. They know ultimately that God created. He created all things, including me. Therefore, I'm responsible to this God. Okay? So all these things are known, and yet what have I done? Broke I've broken them. That's that's so exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and what a dilemma! What a terrible dilemma! Uh, they can't reach him, and ultimately are without excuse, are lost, condemned. And so right there is a a, a terrible dilemma that the world is is under. Um, and so that's that's going to bring about the need, of course, for the next part, right? Um, so a uh, couple more 
Well, one more passage. Well, let me read a little further down. Uh, chapter 2, Paul says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Uh, you know, what a, what a shock it is to come to that realization for ourselves, that I've been condemning somebody and, and been righteous when I've been doing it. But all of a sudden to realize, wait a second, I've done the same thing in an egregious way and again and again, and not only against the other person, but against the one who made you. If you come to that realization, you're in, good, in a good place, because only the, the Spirit is going to be able to uh, reveal that to you. Um, let's go to one more place, Psalm 19. We did, uh, we, we turned here, I think it was at the last praise and prayer, we went through Psalm 19, but just real quickly, this is, there are always two places where people go especially. There are many that we can go through throughout Scripture, but um, but these these two especially uh, just clearly state these truths. Um, let's see. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. You've got that. Linda, can you read that? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Actually, go ahead and read to verse 6. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom in his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Okay, and so this is, you know, it, it's in poetic, poetic language. We talked about praise and prayer. But day-to-day pours out speech, uh, and it's interesting. There is no speech, nor are there words. Well, there's not speech or words there whose voice is not heard. Uh, we, we look at the, you know, the trees. We look at the stars uh, all around us. We look at people. Uh, God's voice is heard. Uh, we hear who God is, and it condemns us, ultimately. That's what's, what's scary. Now, that's not the only reality. We learn a lot of things, and we're able to see beauty and and uh, and enjoy God's creation at the same time. But it does uh, condemn us, um, and so we've got that that problem. Uh, therefore, I mean, that kind of answers the question. I've got it there. What can we not know through creation? What can we not know? The major thing. How do we reconcile? <laughs> How do we, in many ways we can say it. How do we reconcile to God? That's, that's the key. So we are apart, and ultimately remaining apart means condemnation. It means hell. Uh, but, uh, you know, how, how? So to ask that question, how can I be reconciled to God, is a, is a wonderful sign to see in a person. Um, well, one, one question I'd like to just ask briefly, and that is, if this is true, uh, as God's word states it, then how does this affect um, if we share the gospel with someone? Or we, we go to people and we share with them. How should this guide us uh, in going to, going to people who need to hear God's word? This knowledge that everybody knows. How does it guide us? We need to be clear and concise in how we tell them. Okay, okay. 
Good? Yeah. Right, right. Well, it was Paul um, preached in the Acropolis, I think yeah. it was. Um, he told them, you've got all these gods around here, and there's one you haven't named, uh-huh. and that's the one I'm going to tell you about. Right. Everybody's searching for God, and they're finding God in lots of different places. Yeah. But it's not the true God, and so... Our job is to point out the one they're missing. Yes, yes, the one that they're missing. Garth. I think sometimes we can uh, approach it in a way where we think, well, maybe the problem is that they just don't know enough. You know, nobody's ever explained these things to them. The problem is, and if, if I can just give them enough information, then they'll change their mind because it's all very logical. But but the problem is not that they don't have enough information, it's that they're suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And so um, I, I'm not just there to you know to explain things to them, but also to call them to repentance. Yes. And so that, that whole mindset of you take the, the you know the spiritual laws or whatever it is and and provide that information and just explain it. I, I've, I've kind of done my job and I, and I get it out to as many people or even distribute you know Bibles all over, which is a wonderful thing and I think it's a right thing. Um, but uh, it, it's recognizing what the problem is. Anytime you you know you got a job and, and you have to to correct the problem, you have to first understand what the problem is. And the problem is is that they know, they all know. And so we don't have to prove. Everything, and so otherwise, and I've, I've heard it taught like this in courses. You know, you, you, you're with the people, and you've got to start at square one. They don't know anything, and you've got to prove to them first of all they have any need for God, and on and on. No, they have they, they have guilt. They feel guilt. They know that there is a God. Uh, it's just there is a refusal to accept and to receive, and that changes. That really changes. Now, I'm not saying that we don't use proofs, and that what we call apologetics, where we go and we explain things, uh, that that doesn't help. And we need to do that. But ultimately, that's not going to win anybody to Christ to just prove because that's not the problem. It's not that they don't have enough information. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Because even creation, while it points to God, you know, I think with both of these revelations, you can't really understand it without scripture. Right. Because, you know, plenty of people can look at creation and come to totally different conclusions that this is, you know, that this is the work of a creator. Yeah. And, I mean, that's all, all of, like, secular science is centered around rejecting that this is the work of a creator. Right. And others have a chance, so. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, they do need uh, to have the light shine on them. The Holy Spirit, ultimately, to be able to see and to understand. Yet, we at the same time, you know, acknowledge there is much that they can you know, see and understand. And that points to the need for prayer, both uh, corporate yeah. and private. Right, right, because it's God who must work in the heart, right? And so it's God that with whom we must must deal um, in uh, you know in, in, in reaching out and going to to people. Uh, that's good. I I do think this is. The most foundational thing to understand in, uh, in in ministering to other people. Having said that, that you know doesn't help if we don't you know we don't go and and, and spend time in people's lives. And, um, so 
the, the, the last one there says God has revealed himself in a special way to his church. So let me read. Uh, if we look through the text of the confession, it says uh, the first part, general revelation, and there's the yet. They are not sufficient. General revelation is not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation. So there's a tremendous area in which it's not uh, sufficient. Therefore, here's what God did. Therefore, it pleased the Lord. Uh, and it says at sundry times and in diverse manners. That, that actually comes directly out of... Somebody can... Actually, Jim, if you can turn... I know you've got a King James, so... <laughs> If you can turn to, to or anybody else to Hebrews uh, chapter one verse one, and when you get there, I'll, I'll have you read that. But that's that's what it's what this part is going through is, and you'll see this with a confession. Often it will you'll see language that's out of the Bible. At, this is coming out of a particular passage, and uh, often it is, or out of a few passages kind of uh, merged together. Um, but uh, Hebrews one first two or three verses there. Can you read that? God, who at some great times and in diverse manners, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Okay, and so there, in the past, so God spoke, that's revelation, revealed himself. In the past, he revealed himself through the, the prophets and through the fathers, right? Uh, so this is talking about what part of our Bible? Uh, the Old Testament, yeah. So the Old Testament. In the past, he's done this. But now, in these days, he has spoken through whom? Through his Son. Yeah, through the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, uh, you know, therefore, our eyes are open in, in a far greater way. So when we look at the confession, therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times, diverse manners, that's what it's talking about uh, in the Old Testament to reveal Himself and to declare that that revelation, His will unto His church, uh, and and afterwards. So there's a time factor here. Afterwards, and then it kind of says, "Here's the reason." Uh, and, and it's going to say after that, you got to go a little further down to commit the same holy unto writing. So it's going to talk about God writing in, in, you know, it, it down in Scripture. Afterwards, for the here's the reason for the better preserving and propagating of the truth. That's why he, he wrote, uh, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church. You can think if if we still had the words of the prophets that had been passed down by mouth to mouth to mouth. Uh, over the century, but we didn't have it written down. Where would we be today? What would things be like today? It confusion. That's exactly right. Thank you, Sarah. That's that's right on. That, that there would be confusion that would reign, and we say, "Well, I'm following Bill because Bill." You know, he shared it this way, and I really like what Bill said. And somebody else is going to, you know, run over here and say, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm following, you know, Lee or, or whoever." Um, and uh, so confusion would reign. I think that's a, a wonderful way of of putting it. Um, and there would be there'd be a lot of issues, and our heart would say, "Well, I just want the truth." I want the truth laid out before me so I, so I don't have to struggle through it. Well, guess what? You know, we've, we've got that. So, for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, for the more, more sure establishment 
and comfort of the church. And that's what we've, we've got. Against what? Against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan in the world. Against everything that wants to tear this down. Uh, and, and that is true. Uh, that's, that's what uh, Satan is engaged in. That's what the world is doing, is to tear the church down. That's plain and simple. But we've got a rock to stand upon for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church. Uh, so he committed the same holy underwriting, which makes the Holy Scripture to be most necessary. And we nod our heads at that. Uh, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people now being now ceased. Now there, they're referring back to what they said with the therefore. Therefore it pleased the Lord Sunday time in diverse manners to reveal himself. And he revealed himself before it was written down, he revealed himself in what ways? What were all, all the different ways that he revealed himself? Dreams. 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 Yeah. Visions. The prophets, some of the prophets, they had visions and they spoke. Uh, what, what they what they saw uh, also through uh, they did through the dice or whatever it was the oh yeah yeah urn and, and thuman that's right uh, what should we do Lord what do we do in this case that's that's a, a, a wonderful one what is God's will uh, so they he provided a way we would almost say well that's like you know picking straws but no this is God ordained at that time because it was needed. And that really tells something of something about those means, dreams, visions, tongues, uh, all of those ways. And what they're saying here, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. Now we're going to deal with this a little bit more in, in, uh, in uh, the sixth paragraph of this section on Scripture. But yeah, just, just briefly, they're... And I'm saying this is how we understand Scripture, that these gifts, these special gifts, like Urin and Thummim, was there for a time period because it needed to be there. And the same with the other gifts when we didn't have this. When it wasn't, now, during part of that time, we did have the Old Testament. It was written. It was solid. Uh, That's why we see Jesus quoting from it and others. But uh, during the New Testament time period, we didn't. Uh, and so it wasn't written. Now, we know today we're getting into an area where um, there are many who would beg to differ with that. They say, no, these aren't ceased, uh, that, that these continue on. New revelation from God continues on. Uh, thinking around, uh, Sarah shared something earlier about uh, if, if, we just had word of mouth. If it was just being passed down in that way, what would happen? Well, confusion would abound. God has given us His Word. He has set it down. Uh, and what we see now is that we have what He desires for us to have. Uh, and and so I, uh, I, I want to I hold off on talking about this much until we get to, to the sixth uh, paragraph because it goes into a little bit more. But here's, this is what they're saying, that those ways now cease. And now we have a solid rock upon which we can stand. Uh, we've, we've got uh, the Word of God, uh, which makes the Holy Scripture to be most necessary. And so we would say, yes, uh, this is what we need. Yeah? Uh, just one aspect of this that I think is maybe misunderstood or overlooked is that this includes like direct words from the Lord, like, you know, 
go say this to that person. God always deals with us through the scriptures now. And, and that's what this is teaching. That's right. That's right. Yeah, which uh, is something that all of us are able to have and to see, and it is God's revelation. Yeah, Jim. You know, what I wanted to say is basically underscore what what Will said that uh, you know when the Bible speaks, mm-hmm. God speaks, and we understand that to be so because we have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Unless we are given the Holy Spirit, whichever believer has received mm. by God's grace, people either are not going to understand what God is saying, or they're not going to obey. Or accept, and, yeah. Uh, and obey. I, I, I was speaking to a, a very close relative of mine within the past week or so, and I was quoting scripture to her, but I know that what I was saying has no currency. It holds no. She doesn't have the high value that I have in the scripture, and that is because of the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, and and this is as we go a little bit further, especially paragraph five is going to say exactly that, and then later we've got a couple of spots where it says exactly that, and that's. That's tremendously helpful for us to keep inside, just like uh, talking about general revelation. You know, when you're if you're uh, evangelizing, that's helpful to know. But to to know inside, uh, and therefore, really, at times, to have compassion, uh, a sense of compassion, so that we don't just just share and expect this to be accepted, received, and obeyed uh, by by everyone. We can we can see no. There's there's something else that must happen first. And what is that? It's, it is the gospel being applied to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, the Lord Jesus. That there is a receiving of Him, a recognition of a sin, of a need, and then a coming to Christ, recognizing that He's the only one that provides that need. And then God does that work inside. A very specific work. I, I've been reading through the book of Acts, and you go through the book of Acts, and you, you see that this giving of the Spirit what, it wasn't there for all in the Old Testament uh, in the same way, I'll put it that way. But uh, but we see, as you go through the book of Acts, very specific, and they were given, you know, they were given the Spirit of God, and therefore they begin to see, and that's where uh, we have four times when it says in, in book of Acts that, that they begin to speak in tongues. That's because at that time we didn't have, uh, they didn't have this, but they were expressing, and the Lord was using that to authenticate His Word. As it was coming to them, so uh, you know, wonderful picture. But yeah, thank you for uh, pointing that out. So this first paragraph, general and special revelation through and through, really important um, paragraph. Anything else on the first paragraph? Everybody got got an understanding of exactly what it says in that uh, that box there. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, pretty close. Um, some of these can be challenging. So look in your your booklet. Uh, for number two, uh, and uh, paragraph two, what you are going to see is there are a bunch of um, books of the Bible that really stand out there. Uh, so again, uh, paragraph two. Um, <coughs> so in this section, I've got... Uh, I have 
a picture there. And the title of this, I, I, I've given it titles. We don't have to get titles in the, so the titles are not, they're not only not inspired, but they're not from the, you know, the Westminster folks here. They're largely from me. So, <laughs> so if you want, you'll find errors in the titles. Um, and uh, this one I put, the canon of scripture. Um, and so I got a picture of a canon there. So is that what we're talking about? <laughs> How can you tell right off that that's not what we're talking about? What? Okay, that goes boom. That's, that's, that's the best way, probably. Another way? What? The spelling. <laughs> that's right. Does everybody recognize that? Uh, C-A-N-O-N. How do you spell canon? The, the, the one that goes boom. C-A-N-N-O-N. That's right. Another canon has three N's. <laughs> what, what kind of canon has three ends? All right. <laughs> no, they're not the end. Also, I think they didn't invent it yet when they first started using that word. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's true. But. Was that, I'm just guessing. What did you say? I don't think the canons have been invented yet when they started using that word. <laughs> that's. Although, I think by the time the, the Westminster Assembly had met, they had invented that word, and they were experiencing right outside their window these you know, cannons firing back and forth. <laughs> I laughed, but, uh, oh. Um, so, it doesn't mean the cannon that goes boom, as Bill said. Um, so, uh, why would I say the canon of Scripture, uh, that this section is talking about the canon? What, what does canon mean, just in general? Yeah, actually, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, so it means a, a, a rule uh, or a um, standard. Uh, and so when you draw a rule or a standard, there are going to be some things that meet that standard, and there are going to be other things that are outside of that standard. And so the, the application here is there are certain writings that are within that standard or, or what are called Holy Scripture, and there are other writings that are outside of that uh, that, that, that standard or that uh, uh, rule. The question is, how do you know? <laughs> um, and how do we know? Well, uh, that, that's so. The reason that they have this here, and it may seem a little strange, that in a confession, now we have not in in the worship service, we often pick a paragraph out of. Uh, you know, the confession, uh, and, and we're, we're doing that today. we got a couple of them, um, and we'll read it together. I guess I haven't ever, or we haven't um, ever used this one in, in, during the service. You know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Yeah, <laughs> we should do that sometime. But what's the value of having, in a confession, of having those books listed out? You know what they are? Yeah. You know what is Scripture. Uh, what we're calling Scripture, what the, and it's not just us, what just the divines, what the church has called Scripture over time. Now, the question is going to be how did, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but how did they come to call that Scripture? You may remember a movie a short time ago. Which movie I think of it? Da Vinci Code, Ron Brown, uh, and, and this whole theory around it, which was a, a theory that had, had uh, progressed through the centuries, that, uh, that there were certain people that were being oppressed, and uh, that, and and uh, there. So the 
the ones who were doing the oppressing, the leaders, uh, said, this is what Scripture is. And they, and they said, okay, this is what you're going to use uh, for Scripture. So it was determined top-down. Uh, uh, and, and they were really wrong. They left out a lot of things that should have been there, and they were wrong. In well, there are many who would like that to be the case. Why? And that way you can put in whatever you want to make it authoritative. And invariably, that's always what you'll find. If you find someone, and this is within denominations, uh, I could tell you some you know, uh, denominational splits that happened where this is exactly what was done, different means to figure out a way that this is authoritative, uh, whatever I determine or we determine, and this is not. And and so that's that's what... Uh, is is often done. You just look for that. Uh, what's what's the reality? And again, not spending a lot of time on this, but the reality with how we came to have this uh, the the set of books that are listed here in our hands. What's the reality? The church discovered. Yeah, the church recognized and began to use. And uh, now the Old Testament is is one thing, and, and that's part of this to talk about the Old Testament canon was already set hundreds of years before Christ walked upon the earth. Uh, the, the, the books were there. Uh, the community had, had already set those uh, forth, and it was known uh, what uh, the Old Testament canon was. It was written almost entirely in Hebrew. Um, but the New Testament, so the New Testament is the, the question, but what the church began to do is they began to meet, they began to gather, uh, and they began to use... Uh, Certain letters um, and from certain individuals. Um, now, this is at the end of Second Peter. I'll just point to this briefly. But this, so think about it. This is at, at the time Peter's writing. At a time when, of course, he's writing Second Peter. So he's writing when this wasn't all set down. It wasn't all determined and everything. But he says, um, and he's speaking here. This is chapter three of, of Second Peter, uh, and he says this. I love what he says here. He says, therefore, beloved, he's writing to uh, the, the, the church, basically. Uh, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him, by Christ, without spot or blemish and at peace. And he says, uh, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you. So they had received the writing of Paul, just as he also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. So he's written many letters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> That's a great help. They, Peter thought they were hard to understand too, some of Paul's writings, uh, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Notice. He was already receiving the letters of Paul as the writings, the writings, as Scripture, uh, as God's Word. And Four hundreds of years later when the church you know, declared yeah. it's also ridiculous when they say that, that it was they top down. Almost immediately. I mean, yeah. they, they recognized that this was God's Word. And they started using And there were, uh, I, I'll, I'll let you go ahead, Jim. Yeah. No, what I was going to say, you know, there, there is a very helpful book uh, that really addresses how the, how the canon was established. 
obviously did not come down from heaven. Right. But how how these books were selected and determined to be inspired. And and that book I found very, very helpful to read is by F. F. Bruce. Okay. I don't know if you have a copy of it that it's a good question. I don't think we do have one by Michael Kruger, a more recent book in the library. Really, really helpful called the Canon of Scripture or something like that. But uh, talking about the New Testament canon. But uh, so F. F. Bruce also book is very, very helpful for anyone really who's interested. And we should all be interested. I think in how how the canon was established. Right. Right. F. F. Bruce. It's actually called the Canon of Scripture. That's. Wonderful. And and another place you can go, you may want to jot this down online. So again, Michael Kruger, who's done a lot of work in this. He's uh, currently, I think, the president of our, our Reformed Theological Seminary. Um, but he has a, a site called Canon Fodder. Um, and I can't remember how he spells the canon on this because it is a takeoff on Canon Fodder. You know, it comes out, out of a can. So, yeah. Oh, okay, good. And so we've got the book that he wrote, but also this website, canonfodder.org or something like that. But uh, the book uh, that's in the library. So, again, check it out. It really is helpful to know. We should be, uh, as, as uh, Gar said, or Jim said, should be interested in, in this. Um, yeah, this is a Michael Kruger book. Okay, good. Good. On, on the New Testament canon. Uh, but also canonfodder.org is either C-A-N-O-N or C-A-N-O-N. It's at michaelkruger.com. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, michaelkruger.com, but then the, the name of the... It's actually Michael J. Kruger. Oh, Michael J. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the name of the, the site, I guess, or that portion of it is Canon Fodder. It's 1N. Okay, 1N. Yeah, so it's really... Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, so, uh, I, I mentioned the Old Testament Canon, different uh, than the New Testament Canon. Let's... Uh, yeah. Less than a minute, but uh, let's look at chapter, uh, I'm sorry, not chapter two, it's uh, the second paragraph. So it's, it starts off, let me just read this, under the name of Holy Scripture, or the Word of God written, are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, which are these. I'm not going to read them all. We should, we should. You don't have these memorized, uh, you know. I'm one of the kids here. Come along and ask them how the best way is to memorize them, and then uh, you know memorize. We should have these down uh, more, you know, more and more, and, and never look down on anybody that doesn't have have them memorized. But this is uh, it's extremely helpful. You know, when you open up the Bible, and you're just you know, able to go through and, uh, and and look for them. Now, at the end, it says all which, in other words, all these writings, all these books, are given by inspiration of God to be the rule where the word canon comes in, the rule of faith and life. It is to be that which, by which you and I are to live our lives. We are to hear from Scripture, and we are to, to search to make sure we're hearing it rightly, to understand it, and then we are to obey. Uh, and it's, it really is it's that, uh, that simple in a way. Although our hearts make it a lot more complicated, and we say no <laughs> often. Um, we will talk about the inspiration of, uh, of, of, of God and how, how these came to be given. We'll talk about that a little further. I may start off next week. What? 
I got my pants on backwards. I'm so sorry. I just noticed that I'm missing something else, and then I looked down. I was like, my pockets are in front. Then now only your best friends would tell you. So, uh, <laughs> one of us might have heard What is TOC? Yeah. What? A table of contents. Yeah. Where did I write that? It's uh, 1.2, the last point. Okay. So so the question here is, uh, everybody should know that, right? TOC? Is that not, uh, you know, common text uh, that the kids text on? What what do you do if the, the table of contents of your Bible differs from the books that we find here? What do you do? Get a new Bible. <laughs> there you go. Get a new Bible. <laughs> yeah, make sure you know which ones you're ripping out. You don't want to rip out the wrong ones. But uh, no, uh, what we're going to talk about next week, we'll start there, is the Apocrypha. Uh, and uh, so these are uh, books that some some Bibles will have in them. Uh, Roman Catholicism holds that these are part of part of Scripture, but they don't actually hold them at the same level. Didn't, didn't that happen after the Reformation because they wanted their Bible? This is something I heard somewhere in my past. And I'm not sure. I do know that there were, uh, with, with the Old Testament, there, there were two different, uh, there was the Alexandrian canon and there was the Palestinian canon. There were these two different, and one of those, um, I think it was the Alexandrian canon, had you know, these deuterocanonical books, one that are of second they called them, uh, you know, second level, but still a second hierarchy, but still kind of God's word. Uh, so they had them uh, in them. So, so it existed out there. They may have started including them in their uh, Bibles more and more after the Reformation. I don't know, but yeah, to differentiate themselves, uh, to, <laughs> that that yeah, wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, <laughs> but we do have, and you can expand it a little bit. Uh, well, actually, no, I can expand it on my iPad, but. Uh, a picture of the books of the Bible there, so if you can't you can't make them out, uh, but it's got all the books there um, listed. So, well, why don't we uh, let's uh, let's close for for the day, and we'll start back next week with uh, 1.3 with the Apocrypha. Uh, so feel free to read read ahead a little bit, uh, 1.3 through 1.5 at least. Uh, we'll cover that at least next week. 1.5 is. Uh, out of the entire um, confession, uh, many consider it kind of the, the shining jewel or the most, you know, the heart, <laughs> because it's wonderfully helpful, uh, 1.5, because of what it addresses, what it answers. So I need to read through that. Uh, let me, let me uh, say a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you for this time that we have uh, gathered this morning. And Lord, thank you that as we uh, work our way through these truths that you have given so much, that you have revealed so much, that even though the depth of your word is so deep that it's beyond anyone who has, who has ever lived apart from the Lord Jesus uh, here upon this earth, it, it, it's beyond us, way beyond us. Yet at the same time, those truths that we are to know, that we need to know, are plain before us. And we do have that which is solid to stand upon. And you've given your Holy Spirit uh, that we might see and understand and connect the, the, the true meaning and, and therefore love you and worship you 
as we come to a recognition of these truths. And so we thank you for that. Uh, we do ask for your continued help. Uh, we pray that you'll prepare our hearts to gather together in worship now uh, with eyes that are set upon you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right.